0: listening to a podcast from Turners Hill Free Church. For more information and resources, visit turnershillfreechurch.org.uk. Gossip is when... Here's the key one. If you remember just this one, I'll be happy. Gossip is when you would feel embarrassed if the person about whom you're talking were to walk into the room at the moment of your saying that thing. Does that make sense? So if you're saying something that would embarrass you in front of that person, that's gossip. And do we do gossip? No. No. Okay, good. The other thing, gossip is when you relay negative information which does not directly benefit the person concerned. It can also be good news gossip can be good news if you're breaking a confidence, so beware of phrases that begin with, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but avoid um or the other one is um, now this is in the strictest of confidence, and you and they really emphasize it because they know they're not meant to be saying it to you, <laughs> and so um they tell you to be like. They're asking you to become the moral barrier that they should be being right now. Um, Another way that could be gossip is if you are impartial and not taking responsibility for helping in some way. So I could be passing a piece of information to Mark about Matt. And if I'm not in any way involving myself in the solution of this problem, whatever it is. All I'm doing is making things worse. I'm spreading it around. We're a bit like those people that work in a quarantine, you know, in the biohazard suits. We are responsible for making sure that the infection in the dangerous place does not make it into the safe place, yeah? And each one of us has that responsibility. Okay, here's another thing to watch out. If someone ends a sentence with... Bless him or bless her, it's probably slagging them off. Okay? It's probably gossip if they end the sentence with that. If you do hear, if you do feel like you need to say that phrase at the end, you could say it and then go and do something that would actually bless them rather than just talk about it, yeah? Okay, and last one gossip is when you share unhelpful truths as opposed to slander where you share outright lies. Okay, so I've heard some people say, it's not gossip, it's, I'm telling the truth. And gossip doesn't preclude um, truth-telling, but what it does is it mixes truth with an unhelpful sharing of the information, which makes it almost as damaging, if not as damaging as slander. Slander is where you share lies. Is that cool, everyone? A bit clearer on what gossip is? Good. So... Now, what happens when someone gossips to you? So if you suspect that some, another Christian may be gossiping to you, don't turn suddenly to your wife, Chris. Um, <laughs> then you have a number of things you can do. Some of these are a bit tongue-in-cheek. Sorry, I couldn't resist it when I was writing this down. So what I've said sometimes is, do I need to hear this? So if someone starts with a sentence of, oh, did you hear about a person's name? You can say, do I need to hear this? And that usually fends off something pernicious right at the beginning. Or if they've already started saying it, you could um, potentially just interrupt and say, hey, why don't we pray for them instead of talk about them? And you see, people won't do, usually in prayer, what they would do in conversation because there is a holiness attached to prayer that um, precludes that. Okay. See, I put run for the hills. Um, literally, you can actually walk away if someone is just saying something nasty and gossiping. If you just if you don't feel like you've got it within you to say, come on, we're better than this. Let's not talk like this about that person. You can walk away. And one something I did once, which I would not recommend is um, I I said to someone, do you talk about me behind my back too? <laughs> um, I, again, I don't recommend that. It's a little bit aggressive. And just a small addendum here before we move on. Um, and that is, not all passing on of negative information is gossip. Okay? So just say, for example, that someone had done my patio and done a bad job of it. Okay, and if I went and told, and you were thinking of getting your patio done, and I said to you, "Whatever you do, don't use this guy. He's completely hopeless." That would be that would be a bit unfair, actually, in the phrasing. If even if I said to you, um, "This guy didn't do a very good job for us," um, that would be okay if I've had that conversation with the guy. Does that make sense? So Matt's a builder, and if he's done some work for, for me, and then I tell you, oh, don't use Lake Brothers, they're dreadful, which I'm not saying. <laughs> Off you go. They're the best. They're the best. Woo. Um, it would be unfair unless I'd had that conversation with Matt. So Matt wouldn't want me to say bad things about his company, um, In my conversations, unless I'd had the ability to have a conversation with him. And if I felt that Matt's response was um, unsatisfactory or dissatisfactory. Both at the same time. Okay, good. Um, Gareth, I'm looking to you. What is it? Unsatisfactory. Great. Um, Then, so does that make make it clear? Okay, so not all passing on of negative information is gossip. But there is a way to manage the way we pass on negative information with honour to the people involved. Okay, cool. So, are there any questions about that? I've actually written in my notes here to ask that. Or does it make sense? Or does it make so much nonsense that you're just being polite and kind to me? It's okay. Cool. So, you have permission from the Bible... And from the eldership, and I even um, texted out to the elders to make sure they were all on board with this, um, you have permission from the Bible and from the eldership to directly challenge someone who says they are a believer and is gossiping. How cool is that? And I say directly, by the way, because if someone gossips to you and you go around saying, hey, they were gossiping to me, you're just doing the same thing. So directly challenge it, yeah? Is that good? Yeah, Cool. If you want any more clarity on this, Go back to Jeff's sermon on the Eighth Commandment about bearing false witness. Um, it's really, really good and clarifies some of this stuff. He also references questions 141 and 142 of the Westminster Larger Catechism, which talks about this kind of stuff. So it's really, really good. And my favourite scripture on this is Ephesians 4.29, which is, Let no corrupting talk, or in other translations, no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Um, and then it says, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So isn't that a brilliant, um, rule of thumb for whether I should say something? Is it wholesome? Is it, or is, is it unwholesome? Is it corrupting? I'm not going to say it. Is it buildings people up? Then I'm going to say it. And is it going to give grace to those that hear it? Isn't that Brilliant. I highly recommend you learn that by heart because if you've got that filter going on in your head the whole time, it's going to save you from a lot of nasty stuff. Okay, moving on to offense then. Everybody okay? Still with me? Cool. So offense belongs in the church just like feedback belongs in a PA system. That must have been Tina. (laughs) <laughs> Offense belongs in the church like feedback in a PA system. It's going to happen from time to time, but as soon as it happens, you need to act quickly and stop it dead in its tracks. Amen? Amen? Whilst the whole world out there is shouting, don't be offensive, don't be offensive, you can't say this, you can't do that, blah, 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 in the church, we need to be saying to ourselves, don't be offended. The world is focused on putting the responsibility with others, whilst we in the church need to be focusing on putting the responsibility on ourselves. Here's the problem. Offence, whether it's given or taken, is a subjective thing. So I can say the same phrase and different people will respond differently to it, won't they? And we've got... And and, and to add to that, to compound that problem, because of online communication, we've got that we lack all nuance. And so, what you get in place of a nuanced face-to-face conversation is you get these caricatures and this deliberately obtuse misrepresentation of what people are saying. So in a world of diversity where everyone demands to be spoken to in the way that they want to, with this manicured, personalized communication, we can do one of two things. We can either take no risks, and so we end up saying nothing of any value or any meaning, as if the world revolved around the victim, or we can say, no, I stuffed a lot of you, I am who I am, and you have to take me as I am, as if the whole world revolved around us. So those are our two options if there is no standard, if everybody just has to be treated, you know, if everything is um, autonomous. What we need is a standard. Now, guys, this is a piece of cake. This is Christianity 101, okay? How do we need to treat others? The golden rule says we need to love others as we would be loved ourselves. If you say things to others that you would love to hear being said about you, you are on the right track. So, for example, isn't Cathy wonderful with kids? Isn't Andrew Greenaway brave for going for like a year to Mongolia on his own? like, I mean, isn't that amazing? Or isn't Jeff amazing at revealing truth from Scripture and drawing out stuff that I've never heard before in it? Like, isn't that? Doesn't that just feel good? Doesn't that bring grace to those who hear? You hear someone being encouraging. This is my friend Gareth, by the way. He's just visiting today, and he's an awesome pianist. Once at a wedding, we sat. I asked him to sit next to me on the stool to do all the twiddly bits that I can't do. And he just sat there doing, it was just so, it was so great. So it's so good to talk about people in a positive way. It makes you feel good. It makes them feel good. It makes everyone feel good. But not only that, we can actually use scripture. So not just practical things of, isn't this person brilliant? And do it in the moment that they do it. But also use scripture to build people up. Like, you're a new creation. You don't have to be anxious. Jesus is perfecting your faith. It's all encouraging stuff. Not only is it encouraging for us, but this is part of our mission to the world. When people come into the church or when they spend time with us, they should be feeling like they're on holiday from the horrible world. Amen? They should feel like they are away from the loathsome, hateful, spiteful, confusing utterances of the world. We should be a fortress of loving truth, a safe haven for the world-weary, battered victims of an unordered world. But we have an order, love as we would want to be loved. So offensiveness is bad, but what about offendedness? Now this is going to be the hardest part of what I have to say. So take a breath. My family's been part of this church for two years and we love it. We love all of you. We love being um, part of this church. But we experienced a culture shock when we got here and that culture shock has not gone away. And all it is, is that in this church it seems to take such a long time to get things done Because everyone is so worried about offending someone else. Does anybody relate to that? Other people have experienced it too. Okay. Inertia caused by fear is crippling. And you might say, well, the whole reason we're scared of offending someone is because we love them. But I would say perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. And actually, um, my mate Andrew Wellham here, we have a, I think you could call it a robust friendship, couldn't you? We say strong things to each other, and the relationship allows for it. And, and honestly, sometimes, and with Jeff as well, sometimes maybe with you as well, Matt, I don't know, but um, I'll say something, and then I'll say, what I meant by that was this, And I hope you didn't think that. And I start backpedaling and worrying. And they're like, don't worry. It's okay. So good relationships allow for robust dialogue, don't they? But where there is a lack of relationship, then we can get into this crippling fear of not wanting to do or say anything that's going to upset someone. 2018 was a good year for me. I think I've already shared from the front that God released me from the fear of man during a time of prayer with a friend. It was amazing. And I I really want for us as a church to be free, to love well, to act without fear of offence, to speak without fear of misrepresentation, to have a clear conscience. I used to have the worst car in history. It was a VW Polo, you know, the ones that looked like a little funeral car. Uh, The little, anyway. Um, And it was really slow. The brakes were negligible. Um, It was basically like driving the Flintstone car. You just put your heels down and you'd eventually stop. But it made me a better driver because I was looking five cars ahead. But you know what else it did? It gave me peace because I was never looking in the mirror looking for blue lights. I was never worried that a police car was going to come along. And I want our relationship as a body of believers to be like that, where there is no fear. Because everything we're saying comes from a place of love, in an environment of love. It gives grace to those that hear. There's nothing shameful about it. There's no embarrassment of, what if they walk in? What if this person tells that person? None of that. Amen. Amen. currently, by my estimation, in this church, we have a bit of a problem with this. And I couldn't think of a better way to finish 2018 than to say, should we just get rid of that guys? Should we just throw off everything that hinders us? Yeah, let's do it. So again, we need a framework. So I'm going to... Machine gun some scriptures at you. You won't even have time to look them up. Um, if you want them, I'll um, I'll send them out with the notes for um, home groups. Proverbs nineteen says, "Good sense makes one slow to anger." Ecclesiastes seven twenty one says, "Do not take to heart all the things that people say." James one nineteen says, "Let every person be quick to hear." Slow to speak and slow to anger. Luke 6.22, Jesus says, blessed are you when people hate you. James 1.12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. 2 Timothy 2.24 says that we should patiently endure evil. And lastly, Proverbs nine to 9 says, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And whoever reproves a wicked man inj- incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. That's what we want to be, guys. We want to be wise so that when people do challenge us on something, We're not going into defensive withdrawal, I can't talk to you anymore mode. We go into, take a breath, yeah, you're right. Do you know what, marriage and having children is really good at teaching you that, isn't it? You're right. Such a great phrase to learn. So, most of these scriptures tell us to be resilient. Not tossed about by the waves of people's comments, but firm in our hearts. Being a Christian doesn't make us less um, human, like Alexa, who you can be really rude to and she'll carry on just doing what you want. No, being a Christian makes us more human. And what it does is it connects us with an eternal reality that enables us to marshal our emotions because the one who created emotion dwells within us. How cool is that? We're no longer slaves to feelings. We are the master of our feelings. So I want you to think about Usain Bolt for a second. Imagine two scenarios. One scenario, he's sitting in his garden, working on his tan, and some people shout over the fence, you're a loser! Blah, 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 blah. Say offensive things, okay? He's going to be upset by that, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, same scenario, same people, same insults, and he is halfway down the 100-metre sprint, and he's running, and these people are shouting things. Does he care as much now as he did when he was sitting in his garden? No. Why? Because he's got a goal, because he's got a focus. So here is the hardest phrase that I have written down, which is, if you're easily offended, get a life. I know it's hard, it's strong, but here's the point. When you've got a focus, when you're aiming towards something, you are more able to reject distraction, okay? And when I say get a life, what I mean is, do something meaningful that will enable you to feel satisfied in God, affirmed by him, secure in him, and then you'll be able to withstand some of the enemy's arrows that come against you. Paul, in um, the book to Timothy, no, Corinthians, there are two passages, and I didn't print those pages out because I wasn't planning on saying this, but he says, I'm concerned that when I come to you, I'm not going to find you as you should be, that there's going to be quarreling and arguments and all this sort of stuff. And that's right, that's the Corinthian one. And then booked in the passage where it talks to Timothy, he says, some of you will become idlers, gossips, busybodies. So he's saying, like, along with idleness of not having a purpose, these things come along. Okay, we're past all the hard stuff now. And we get to the really cool bit. What do we do about (laughs) offence? And it's, this is awesome, because we have the best offence management system in the world. Okay? Matthew 18, Jesus tells us what to do when someone offends us. There are four stages. Who can remember what the first one is? Someone offends you, go and speak directly to that person. Fantastic. That's stage one. If they don't listen, though, we've got a stage two. Bear in mind... of stuff is dealt with. people, People experience this. You go and challenge someone directly and it's dealt with most of the time. Very rarely have, in fact, I don't think I've ever had to take someone else with me to go and challenge someone or something. So that's really cool. Stage two? Oh, I gave it away. Okay, if they still don't listen, stage three? Yeah, you tell the church, And stage four, Jesus says, treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. Essentially, you can't treat them as a believer anymore because they're not responding as believers do. So, the conclusion. Sometimes, in order to move forward, we have to just look down and just get rid of anything that is stopping us moving forward. It's hard to do. It's not nice to do. But I really want for us as a church to leave behind in 2018 any potential threats on our flourishing in 2019. We have a system for dealing with gossip, which is that we practice self-control in what we speak and discernment in what we allow ourselves to hear. We're a family, which means that we have a duty to lovingly correct each other. Paul says, doesn't he, that we are speaking the truth In love. If we are wise, we will appreciate the rebuke and be wiser. If we are foolish, we'll become defensive and withdraw. That's our system for dealing with gossip. Our system for dealing with um, offence is very similar. We're to marshal our tongue to ensure that we are only building others up. When this goes wrong, because it will, like the feedback in the PA system, we quickly need to find the source and deal with it. And we've got Matthew 18 as our guide for how we deal with it. Finally, these frameworks are in place to aid relationship, not to replace them. The law was there to um, bring a relationship between man and God. And the new law, the new covenant that Jesus brings enables us to have a relationship with him. Psalm 119 is David delighting In Mosaic law. he loves it. And yet we have a much, much better law. Paul says in 2 Corinthians um, 3. That if you compare the Mosaic law with Jesus. They're not worth comparing. Because this is an eternal law. And it's called the law of love. And then he says. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord. The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image and with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I'd love, before we take communion, for us to take this really seriously and to deal with real stuff. I'm aware that probably some of the things that I've said may have offended people. And the reason I chose to say them was not because I don't care. Actually, it's because I do care. And because sometimes by saying something in a stark way, um, it shakes the... I don't know how to say it. I'm, I'm willing to stand by my words, and if anyone is offended by what I've said, I would urge you, please come and speak to me directly. Don't talk to anyone else. Come and speak to me directly. Um, before communion, if possible, if we can somehow make that possible, there may be a queue. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> um, What I believe is that when we repent and when we resolve to change the way we live, that we are going to be renewed as a body of believers. So we repent for things that we've done that have been offensive or where we have been offended. Both are sinful. We repent for gossip that we've shared, gossip that we've heard. Both are sinful. And then we resolve that given these amazing frameworks that the Bible gives us, It's not going to be a problem for us going forward. And that as we do that, as we set our hearts on change, that we are going to be renewed.